What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined, as always, by the man who says tight ends matter, a.k.a. Mr. Dan McAuliffe. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Max, I'm doing pretty good, but you know what? I think I would be a little bit better if we could get our uh, boy Nikhil Harry a trade, because apparently... That's what he's looking for right now. So as a Pats guy, uh, we hope we get something for him. And as a fantasy world, you hope he goes somewhere where he's actually going to matter. But jury's still out on that one. Breaking news on the Dynasty Dynamic. Nikhil Harry. Mark it down. July 6th. Nikhil Harry requesting a trade. People forget. I mean, that it wasn't that long ago. I remember going into rookie drafts, people talking about him and AJ Brown, and they had them interchangeably as the one A and one B. Yeah. Oh, what a what a simpler time back then, right? <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, he had a great profile coming out. Great oh, absolutely. Athlete, early breakout. It just first round draft capital. Obviously, it's it's yeah. uh, it's just some. It's crazy that sometimes these guys don't fire for one reason or another. It is crazy for sure. I remember being pretty darn stoked when we found out that we took him uh giving brady another weapon in his latter parts of the years but uh how times have changed so you know what we wish mr Nikhil harry the best of luck maybe he finds uh, some greener pastures elsewhere and hopefully gives us maybe a little something uh as the patriots start to rebuild some capital there so we'll see we will see so let's keep on the first round pick train and tonight i want to kick it off with a quarterback who was a first-round pick. Uh, he was actually the 101 a long time ago. Oh, baby. Dan, let's talk a little bit about the man who's got a new home under Mr. Sean McVay. Let's talk about Matt Stafford. Let's kick it off tonight with him. Matthew Stafford. So, I mean, he's he's been someone uh, that has been really fun to watch over his career thus far. Uh, and you've seen him show up in plenty of circumstances. Uh, he's been a QB1 six times in his career. Um, it was actually surprising. Max and I were kind of looking up to, and it was like, we thought it would have even been more because I think uh, we've always just been impressed with the type of quarterback he's been. And if you look back in 2020, he was 12th in uh, passing yards and 12th in passing touchdowns. So he's starting to get a little bit of that, that magic back. Uh, and he wasn't doing it with like, absolute kind of star talent you know, we love kenny galladay uh, marvin jones as well tj hawkinson um but to be able to kind of pull that together after his struggle in 2019 it's it's pretty nice to be able to see him kind of go back into that form but it's certainly not the form that we've seen as his total kind of top echelon right and we're talking 2011 which was his best passing season 5,000 plus yards 41 touchdowns and only 16 interceptions fantastic year to be able to put together of course he did it on the back of having calvin johnson with 1700 uh receiving yards you had brendan Pettigrew with over uh 700 yards and then nate burleson uh with over 700 as well so he had definitely a supported cast to be able to make it happen but uh if you're the qb at the helm uh you're the one that's really making uh all of those dreams come true and what honestly uh calvin johnson with that stud uh right there he, he put in made a name for himself max what, what are your I, kind of I, thoughts there I think you bring up a really interesting point there, right? Because I think a lot of people are running out to best case scenario on Matthew Stafford. And I think yeah. for great reason, right? Um, you know, one of the one of the things we were talking about when we did look back at that 2011 season is outside of the, the man, the myth, the legend, Calvin Johnson, certainly one of, if not the best wide receiver I've ever seen play in my lifetime, you know, up there with Randy yeah. Moss. Um, you know, th- 
it was basically Calvin Johnson and, you know, a bunch of fill-ins for a yeah. long time. You know, no offense to Nate Burleson, who had a great career and is maybe even a better broadcaster these days. Fair. Um, but you think about the weapons, right? So Calvin Johnson, obviously an all-time great, but now getting Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. I mean, you know I love Cam Akers for catching sure. passes out of the backfield. Um, that along with the Sean McVay effect, which since he's taken the team reins from the Jeff Fisher eight and eight <laughs> perennial eight and mm-hmm. eight era, um, you know, a lot of things he's touched has turned to gold. So I think it's funny to look back at, okay, we're talking 10 years ago. That's really so far Matthew Stafford's ceiling. We've seen yeah. him with that 5,000 yard season. What do we think about now? Do we think this could happen again with arguably the best supporting cast he's ever had? And probably the best, like, coaching staff as well, right? Like, the situation across the board uh, just stands to show that if if we're looking at him being able to reach that kind of upper echelon again, this is the, uh, the, the coach and the supporting cast that's going to help him be able to do that. Because uh, I really do think uh, we know that he's been a little capped in the past maybe couple of years, and this would really kind of unleash him. Uh, and he's still young, too. I mean, I, I, we talk about his kind of longer career that he's still only 33, uh, you still have plenty of people who are uh, drafting like the Aaron Rodgers of the world uh, in dynasty leagues. And for good reason, because it's a talented QB that's going to continue to produce. I think sometimes people forget that Matt Stafford's not that old. Uh, he's certainly not the, you're going to see plenty of people opting towards those that are sub 30 just because they want the 10 year career of a, of a, a QB to be able to build their dynasty team around. But you could still get arguably eight not, uh, uh, great years out of Matty Stafford, especially in this new situation where they're hopefully going to help uh, kind of preserve him for the long term. You don't know it, but you literally just walked right into my trap because I'm going to put you on the spot right Uh-oh. now. Um, going to do a little this or that with sure. Matthew Stafford. Okay. Love right? it. So let's, let's, let's it. say you've got a super flex team and you're looking to both compete for the now, but also not screw yourself for the future. Are you going Matty Stafford or would you want someone like a Baker Mayfield? Ooh, that is a, a good question. Honestly, I told you you walked into a trap. I know I did. And and here's here's my thought for sure is I would probably in this offense right now, I would probably opt for a Matty Stafford uh, because I think you could probably turn him around for someone who's younger after this year. Um, I think you're definitely going to see him explode. You're going to see his ADP rise. Uh, and Baker Mayfield, you and I both love him. I just took him in a startup that, that we recently did because I wanted someone who was just a safe kind of prospect there. But you're not going to see uh, Baker get unleashed to sling it in the way that Matty Stafford's going to be able to sling it. So in that scenario, I think I'm probably going to have to go Matty Stafford. So I got two more. Let's keep the train rolling. So what about Stafford or someone like a Ryan Tannehill? Ooh. Very close uh, in age. Very close. Close in, age. in recent production. Tannehill actually probably with the edge there. You'd be. You know what? I'm going to have to go Ryan Tannehill here um, because of what I've seen in terms of the uh, like efficiency metrics. I think that it, there's there's some metrics where literally Ryan Tannehill is first or second in so many different efficiency metrics, higher than Lamar Jackson, Pat, Pat Mahomes, any other QB that you're drafting in the top five. Um, at some point, it's kind of wild that like people still ding him for like his past performance in the with the Dolphins, and it just it's unfair now. Let's take a two year sample size and look at what he's done, and it's absolutely impressive. Uh, and given the fact that they're the same age, I really uh, I think I'm gonna go with the guy that I know has done it most recently, um, with arguably probably even a trimmer cast uh, on the receiving side. 
uh, than Stafford had in some of his past. So let's do one more Stafford or Tua. Ooh. All right. I, <laughs> I'm going to have to go Maddie Stafford here. And it's just oh, because wow. of, yeah. I, I it's, Leaning on the production. I respect I'm leaning it. on the production. Um, I hope, I hope that Tua is going to be unlocked and unleashed. And I honestly think he's going to have a good year. Um, but I think he's too much of a fantasy landmine if you are drafting in startups right now to be taking over Matthew Stafford. That's kind of that's kind of my rationale there. I think you're going to have a, a longer term uh, opportunity with Tua, of course. But again, I think you're going to be there's very little chance that Matty Stafford isn't set up for success and is at least a high end QB two in my opinion. Whereas uh, I think that the draft value and trade value of that alone could net use something else uh, like Tua later down the line if you wanted to trade. So speaking of somebody who maybe could be viewed as a landmine in drafts these days, um, let's talk a little bit about Josh Jacobs. Because as I was putting, you know, kind of the roster for this show together, I was like, I haven't really heard anybody doing any deep dives on Josh Jacobs recently. And he's such an interesting prospect because I think his his rise to the first round a few years ago will always kind of bewilder me, right? Um, this is somebody where playing in Alabama, um, you know, and it's, we'll, we'll do a little comparison here. Cause the next guy on sure. the show sheet is Damian Harris, spoiler Ooh, alert. So, so going back to his Alabama days, 2016 to 2018, Josh Jacobs put up the following numbers for total rushing yards on the year, 567, 284, 640. So this was never an Alabama bell cow. This was no nope. Najee Harris. This was no Derrick Henry, whatever other Alabama bell cows you want to name. Um, he's somebody who had below average athleticism across the board. And for some reason, just ascended throughout the draft process, right? Yeah. Throughout the combine, throughout these interviews, throughout everything, he just kind of rose into the first round. And then he gets to the NFL and he becomes kind of the statistical outlier that everybody wanted to see, right? That kind of Arian Foster, like guy doesn't have the athleticism, didn't always flash in the big moments, but somehow, you know, you get the chance and he just shows that he's got the X factor. So back to back thousand yard rushing seasons, Mm -hmm. right? Even a thousand yards last year and was basically the number uh, 12 running back in fantasy points per game. Saw a nice uptick in receptions and really flashed some elusiveness as well. He was number 12 in juke rate last year, according to Player Profiler. Hmm. Um, He's so interesting because I feel like all I've seen him do, all he's done is produce, right? He's been solid ever since you drafted him. And I feel like he continues to fall down draft boards and startups. He does. Every time I look at the ADP. So... Any thoughts, and like I said, we're going to do this nice little comparison because we have it, but any thoughts on Josh Jacobs, Dan? Yeah, so it's it's interesting because, as you said, it's, it's always kind of this recency bias and kind of news that comes out during the offseason that you start to see some of these crazy shifts in ADP, right? Because you look at it and, like, I he's produced pretty well for your fantasy teams over the past two seasons being able to do what he's done. But now I think he's been just slightly on that fence where people were like spending one-on-one picks on him uh, in rookie drafts and stuff. And they've wanted to just see him inch out a little bit more and become more of a stud than maybe he he has been, uh, which I still think has been a fantastic fantasy producer. But I think there have been kind of two big things that have happened this offseason that have just started to really impact his ADP. And that is, uh, one, the addition of Kenyon Drake. 
um, who again is if I'm not mistaken, another 20, Alabama guy. Another, yeah, there we go, exactly. <laughs> um, but if I'm not mistaken, I think he's 27, maybe even turning 28. Um, so it's not like they added another total young stud that they're going to be uh, having him compete with. But Kenny Drake has been productive, uh, and so there's this kind of question of okay you really didn't worry about the guys who were behind Josh Jacobs before. This is probably the biggest name that sat behind Josh Jacobs or next to Josh Jacobs on the depth chart um, going into this year. So I think if people were maybe concerned with him before, I think that's been a big red flag for them. Now I'll say like they've been kind of open in saying that they're going to use Drake probably pretty creatively uh, and put him out even at like wide receiver sets type of stuff just to be there as a receiver. Uh, They haven't fully said that they're going to have him be splitting all the carries with Josh Jacobs. The other thing is they kind of need to get someone else uh, to help lighten the load for Josh Jacobs because the other big thing that happened is they blew up their offensive line uh, this season through just trades or or, uh, releases, etc. So it's kind of got some question marks there where a person's really going to be working behind that line and is going to need someone to be able to help lighten the load in certain circumstances there. So I do believe overall that Josh Jacobs is going to be the lead guy. I think you're going to be annoyed with some of the times that Kenyon Drake cuts into his workload. But honestly, you're seeing people who are selling him at like RB2 prices now, like back end RB2 prices. I'm serious. And in all the leaks I've been seeing, uh, there have been kind of trades that have gone down in that regard. And I think if you're willing to buy on the talent, uh, hold for the year, probably be a little frustrated. But if you could have him as your back end RB2, RB3, uh, Kenyon Drake's not going to be cutting into his workload for forever. And if that's what you're scared of, then I think you need to have a little bit more foresight going into Dynasty to really kind of think through the next couple of years. Uh, so I personally, I think he's a buy, uh, especially at the prices that I'm seeing. It's funny to hear creative offense or use of a creative player when you're talking about a John Gruden offense. Not always something to hear. <laughs> it's true. Um, so, so we kicked off the show with a Patriots player in Nikhil Harry's trade request. Let's bring it back and talk about another Patriots player, and that's Damian Harris, right? So yeah. I loved putting these guys side by side on the show sheet because they were basically – they spent the, they were there at Alabama at the same time, right? So Damian Harris actually way outproduced – Josh Jacobs, if you look back at the numbers. So 2016, over 1,000 yards. 2017, 1,000 yards. 2018, 876 yards. And you're like, okay, well, Max, you know, one of these guys was clearly the receiving back. One of these was the grinder back. I was stunned when I totaled up their receptions their last three years at Alabama. They both had exactly 48 receptions over those three years. So, again, it kind of blew my mind that you get one of these guys going late first round and one of these guys that the – I mean, just by the numbers, the better producer at the same school at the same time going mid third round. Yeah. So the weird thing with Damian Harris was he goes to the Pats pretty much a red shirt year. Like he did not get onto the field yeah. his first year. Um, and last year when the wheels were calling, were coming off in a whole bunch of ways, you know, definitely to me flashed some of that ability that we saw back sure. in the Alabama days, right? 691 rushing yards, but only playing 42% of snaps and having a lot of that rushing production that could have been his eaten into by Mr. Cam Newton, right? Yep. So this is a player that was number six in true yards per carry, number eight in juke rate last year. So making people miss, making a count when he's getting the rock. Um, And the Pats were number two in stack front carry rate. So they were seeing heavy fronts almost half the time. 
I feel like I already know your answer to this, Dan, because it's a Belichick backfield. But I feel like if, you know, at the right cost, I feel like Damian Harris has immense upside, right? And yep. and we don't know. We don't know when we're going to see Mac Jones. It could be week one. It could be week five. It could be week 12. It could be 2022. I just feel like right now he's one of those people that's on, whether you're taking him in a startup or trying to talk to somebody about him in trade, he's not being like crazy valued, but people are, you know, aware of the potential what do you feel about Damian Harris right now? I, I think you said it perfectly, whereas I'm typically one to avoid a Patriots backfield because uh, we know how that offense is typically run uh, unless we're considering the cost. And I think in this scenario, we're seeing that um, he is going typically at the like RB3 range. Uh, and at that price, I'm more than willing to invest a little bit there. I think in startups, I saw him going around like Chase Edmonds, et cetera. Uh, that was even a difficult decision for me is around that time looking at like what, uh, it was going to end up netting out, uh, for who I should be taking where, but for the top, the cost right now, the upside is really big because I think we have seen Patriots, uh, running backs produce pretty well. Uh, if they've been given more of a stable role and not kind of cycling through everyone there. So there's a lot of other names, right? You got uh, Sony Michelle, you got uh, Ramondre Stevenson, who they took in the fourth round. It's just adding a lot more bodies. Um, but for the talent itself with Damian Harris, if you were to purchase now and kind of bank on the fact that you're going to see the Patriots offense take a step forward and potentially even take a step forward with someone who's more of a pocket passer, who's not going to be taking uh some of the rushing kind of upside that uh, Cam Newton kind of takes away from his running backs, you could see him become a very valuable, like rock solid wide receiver, wide receiver running back too, um, with uh, RB one upside there. So I'm I'm definitely buying wherever I can, um, just because I do think people are sleeping on a little bit. You see that people avoid pa Patriots backfields, and I get it because it can be super frustrating. Uh, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be sending out some feelers to find the ones that might be in less of of a RB uh, running back by committee than we've had in prior years. Yep. Yeah. Bill Belichick's decision for whatever reason um, to not let him on the field, his rookie year didn't, didn't really bother me. And I saw exactly what I wanted to see out of him last year. Yeah. So I think at the right price, um, Damian Harris could be a great player to kind of stash on, you know, whether it's in your flex or you're starting him as your third running back or something like that. I think he has a lot, a lot of upside. Totally agree. So let's keep on the upside train and talk about a player that might be a little tough to figure out, but definitely has massive upside, just knowing what his skill set lends it to. Yeah. So Dan, talk to me about Mr. DJ Chark. DJ Chark. So uh, wait, 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 before you get into that, before you get into that, let's hear it. We're in a league together and we I are. drafted DJ Chark in the startup. You did. I did not look up any team names on the internet i did not google fantasy team names and plugging dj shark came up with this all by myself i want it on the record sunnyvale trailer shark <laughs> okay that is true it, that continue is, with it whatever needs to be noted to you were you were correct fantastic name um all right so yeah let's let's dig into uh to, to dj shark here um so as you said definitely looking like it's a, a prime year for him to be able to continue to to add on to what we've seen uh, because of uh, a guy named Trevor Lawrence, right? But before we delve too too much into that, let's take a look at the past uh, two years prior just to kind of set the stage. We got a breakout in 2019, he had over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns, and that was playing with Foles and Minshew, right? 
I, I, I do I do love uh, Gardner Minshew, but let's I wasn't let's be gonna bring he's, it up. You brought it up. He's not Trevor Lawrence. Then 2020, uh, you have uh, 700 receiving yards, five touchdowns, playing with Mike Glennon and Jake Litton. So I would even say probably worse overall QB play. You had you had uh, Minshew at the beginning there a little bit as well, but then when the tra- uh, tank for Trevor really kicked in, you had these guys <laughs> picking up the second half of the year. Um, and with all that, he was number nine. Uh, in unrealized air yards in 2020, because you s- certainly saw uh, Glenn and Lynn weren't always being able to connect with him on some of his routes there. So there's so much uh, current production that we've seen, and you still feel like this kind of untapped potential, right? The question kind of lies. You've got an addition in Trevor Lawrence coming in this year, but you've also got Travis Etienne, and you've also got Marvin Jones. Um, I mentioned Marvin Jones specifically because he is by all means a big field stretcher who's typically going to take a lot of those uh, air yards and be able to kind of actualize them there. So it's one kind of skill set that's been brought on that starts to challenge what Chark has been able to to do pretty well there. Uh, And it's, as I hate to always say, but it's another mouth to feed, right? So it's, you're getting another wide receiver of of good talent, although on the the latter part of his career uh, being added in there. And then Travis Etienne, they've been talking about uh, certainly utilizing in a lot of third down opportunities. And of course, it's probably going to start to become uh, more and more of a a workhorse as they bring on the rest of the season there so lastly you have LaVisca and I think this is kind of where it gets challenging right because I think you and I are both big fans of LaVisca Chenault and he's going into his second year in an Urban Meyer offense who really does like kind of these multi dual dual purpose I, I hate saying gadget dudes because he I believe he's much more than a gadget dude but he's, he has a lot of versatility right so the only question to kind of ask in that regard is was Chark kind of a beneficiary of really not having much other talent surrounding him that's going to challenge him for targets uh, or do we really believe that he's kind of the dude? Because I think everyone's kind of looking around being like, who's the alpha in this situation, right? You have a second-year LaVisca, who's probably a more well-rounded skill set. Uh, you have Marvin Jones, who's the vet in this scenario, uh, kind of oldest presence that you have there. And then you have Chark, who's been reasonably productive, but probably hasn't done enough to absolutely command being the alpha in an offense there. So it's kind of a hard question to answer, uh, and at that point, I'm really just looking to compare across ADPs. And in this scenario, Chark is the most expensive last I checked when it came to ADP. LaVisca not far behind. And then, of course, Marvin Jones uh, kind of on the tail end, especially from a dynasty perspective. So given those ADPs, uh, Max, who are you looking to take uh, of those three wide receivers when it comes to Jacksonville? Why, why do you ask questions? You already know the answer. To. <laughs> why do you do this to me? I mean, it's. It's LaVisca Chenault. Um, I've been pounding the table for this guy, I mean, since our early show days, yeah. um, talking about him and and what he was able to do coming out of Colorado. I just think he is the most complete player. And if I am drafting a wide receiver one type player, he he's the guy that I'm looking at, right? Yeah. Has the side, has the size, has the speed, has the versatility to play all over the field. Inside, outside, LaVisca can do whatever you want. Like I said, you ask questions, you already know the answer. And I had to figure, and if if that's the case, I think a lot of other people are are starting to think the same. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see LaVisca Chenault 
uh, ADP actually go above Chark by the time we're starting the season. Uh, he's supposedly a huge camp darling right now, doing everything that uh, his coaches uh, are asking of him and wanting to be able to see there. Uh, and I agree. I mean, if you're talking about a full, complete skill set, I think it's LaVisca Chanel. And so I would say, personally, I'm not buying on DJ Chark until that flip happens in ADP because I think there's too many question marks. And as I said, I don't know who the alpha is. I don't know who's going to be they're going to be peppering with targets more than anyone else. Uh, I technically might even believe it might be more LaVisca than it is Chark. So until I start to see that price come down, um, I, I think I'm going to likely be avoiding either of the wide receivers at their cost uh the only one i actually would be able to take up on right now and i do believe he's being slightly overlooked way later rounds of course but marvin jones is gonna get something uh they hey, got, went out and got him for a reason uh so i think if you're really looking to get a part of that offense take the very cheapest one with marvin jones in the way later rounds we will talk about marvin jones again in a second so you hold that thought but um to quickly to quickly play devil's advocate for both of us I think the one thing Chark really has going for him is that deep speed. And he was number 14 in deep targets in 2019, that breakout year. Yeah. And he was number five in the league in deep targets last year. So if you want to talk about the potential to score some long touchdowns and catch some long bombs and really like spike his yearly average and outproduce these guys, I think that would be the path for, for Chark. It's true. And he has been doing it in the past, but now with Marvin Jones there, it brings in that question mark of, is he going to get as many of those long shots as he was previously there? So just add to that kind of mystique. You, you know, he's able to capitalize on some of the opportunity when he's given it. It just seems like this year with the talent added, it might be a little harder for him to be able to have as many opportunities as he had prior, but we shall, we shall see. All right. We got one player left. I would love to get another sub 30 minute oh, show. Right. We did it last time. See if we can do it this time. Talk to me about, the Kyle Pitts before Kyle Pitts, the guy who was the 108, Dan, who wasn't that long ago. He went 108 in the NFL draft. Talk to me about TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson, as you said, again, it's the what what have you done for me now? Recency bias, et cetera. We got Kyle Pitts. He's he's gonna be great. But we were all about TJ Hawkinson when he was coming out. Just some knowing. of us still are. So and, and exactly. <laughs> and some of us still are. Um Dude, the guy's a beast, uh, and you've just kind of been waiting for him to be able to be utilized properly, uh, and it's hard because you look at it, and uh, the office has definitely changed uh, recently in terms of the total Lions offense. You've seen people who have exited. You've got Kenny Galladay, who, who has exited, uh, Marvin Jones as well, Matty Stafford as well, so now uh, working with Jerry Goff, but... Let's take a quick look at his prior stats, and then I'm going to tell you a reason why I think you should be excited about TJ Hawkinson going forward. 2020, he was third in receiving yards with 723, uh, and he was also fourth in uh, yak. So he's an absolute beast when you actually get him uh, the ball. He's going to work wonders for you. Uh, and no Lions receiver had over 1,000 yards in 2020. So him having that amount of yards to begin with is like it was he Marvin was, Jones. It Marvin was, Jones led the team. Mar Marvin Jones led the team. So again, that's why I'm saying I love me some Marvin Jones, and he's gonna do work if you give him the ball. Um, but as mentioning, of course, yeah, the offense as a whole is it's going through a flux here for sure. Um, I 
I hate using the uh, the term vacated targets all the time because you have a lot of people who get slid into who are not great players being like, oh, just because people left, now they're going to get targets. No, you earn right. targets. You are going to get the targets if you are talented in playing well. Um, and, of course, I think TJ Hawkinson is a very good talent who now is the best uh, receiver on his team going into this next year. So just to kind of put that in perspective, 2020, he was fifth in tight end targets. So I can only anticipate this going up. I think he seriously could uh, rival the number one spot now because at least on other uh, teams where the tight end is is a valuable player, you got Kittle, you got Kelsey, et cetera, they at least have other wide receiver talent around them that helps kind of balance out those targets. Hawk might literally lead the, the league in, in targets this year, which is just crazy. And especially, I believe it's going to happen because Jared Goff, is probably going to be really great for Hawk, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, first, he's a non-mobile quarterback. He really doesn't scramble too much, so it's a lot of short and mid-range targets uh, that you're going to see going Hawk's way, so just continuing to hit him. He's going to be a safety blanket uh, that he's able to hit uh, kind of early and often. Uh, and it's not just because there's going to be those uh, mid-range targets in general. Goff targeted the tight end 22% of the time over the last two seasons. That's 10th highest rate in uh, since 2019. So you clearly know he's going to be looking to his tight end in those regards. And um, excuse me, Goff also ranked fifth in passing yards and fifth in total attempts to tight ends. Like that is a opportunity to be able to see Hawk finally take that jump into this kind of next level of just like with tight ends, all you want to be able to get is predictable targets and a good volume of targets. And I think he's going to have those in spades. We already blew the thirty-minute show, Dan. We were, we were so close, but but this hey, is you got good me fired up I about Hawk. Ja- I get to jam in the stuff that I wanted to jam in. So, I feel like I've taken a few shots at Kyle Pitts on this show already. Yeah, and I don't I don't hate Kyle Pitts. I hate the cost of Kyle Pitts. I was yes. in a rookie draft two weeks ago where Kyle Pitts in a superflex tight end premium went at the one hundred and three. So Ugh. either Trey Lance or Justin Fields was left out of that conversation because Shoot. the Kyle Pitts hype train yep. is out of control right now. Yep. And you know, I've always liked him since the beginning there, but there, at some point the rent is too damn high, you know, and I, I just I can't. We I need can't a rent control department. Around these cars. <laughs> so, so I just want to take people back to just really, like you said, people's memories are short and it's, what have you done for me lately? When TJ Hawkinson was coming out of Iowa, that final season in 2018, he had 760 yards on that team, which is ridiculous for any tight end, right? And that was that yep. was in a full season. His entire career there, he was competing with Noah Fant. Two tight ends that went in the first round, okay? That's right. So when you think about what monster athletes those guys are, they're eating into each other's production. They still both put up fantastic resumes and both go in the first round. I've been a TJ Hawkinson fan since day one probably fell in the camp where I was maybe buying a little on the high side in the rookie drafts when he was coming into the league, Mm -hmm. but he is a fantastic talent. You said it. He's set up to potentially lead this team in receiving yards this year. Who knows? Other stuff could happen. Player acquisitions could happen, whatever. But right now, if you're, if I'm Jared Goff and I'm throwing the ball, I'm throwing it to TJ Hawkinson. I'm TJ Hawkinson and DJ Hawkinson. Adding a little DeAndre Swift there every once in a while, but mostly, sure, <laughs> mostly Hawkinson. Let's get some Swift in there. We t- I talked about DeAndre Swift on our first. I know you turned you turned my uh, turned my head around on that one. I was uh, I was not entirely sure about Swift, and now I'm uh, I'm a big fan. So 
I love it. Well, that's the end of the show, buddy. I don't have anything else to add. Um, so unless you got anything, any last words on Hawkinson, I say we get out of here. No, I think this has been good. I like kind of the the quick hits that we've been able to uh, to do with the, these past couple episodes. And we hope our, our listeners uh, enjoy it as well. We're trying to keep these things a little easier and quicker to, to listen to. So uh, as always, if you like it, don't like it, etc., uh, be sure to leave us a review. We honestly check for them all the time to be able to make sure that we're getting the most up-to-date feedback uh, on what our listeners like and don't like about this show. So much appreciated, um, but uh, looking forward to putting out some more stuff in the future. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. So getting out of here for today, this is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>